Ich war seit Wochen auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt. Als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen. Hello and welcome to Gegen Pressing. German football podcast on the Football Grad Network. I'm your host, Bryce Dunn. And joining me, as always, is Manu Betts. Manu, how have you been? Yeah, very good, Bryce. How about you? Yeah, pretty good. It was St. Patrick's Day yesterday, after all, you know, so a ah. little bit of celebrating, but nothing too wild. Oh, that's that's good. So did you go and drink green Guinness? No, I, I had one pint of Guinness, and that was about it. I had a few other beers, but no, it wasn't green. It wasn't oh, green, unfortunately. It's really what about you? Do you not celebrate snow? Uh, I'm not Irish. <laughs> <laughs> Lots of people celebrate it anyway, I suppose. Yeah, I think that's cultural appropriation, Grice. You have to be very careful with these things these these days. <laughs> oh, fair enough, fair enough. Well, let's um, let's ask then Chris Williams if he happened to have a drink yesterday on St. Patrick's Day. Did you, Chris? Uh, no, I'm very boring. I rarely drink these days. Um, and you both know what happens if I do drink. Uh, like when we went to Leipzig, I missed the bus and I'm late for things. So, um, no, I, unfortunately, I didn't have anything. And Bryce, what's your response to the North American version, St. Paddy's Day, with with two T's? How does that make you feel? Yeah, I think they celebrate it more than the Irish actually do. Um, I don't know. We, we know that they like to often do things over the top, don't they? And To be fair, yeah. more Irish people live in North America than in Ireland. Oh, part, well, especially <laughs> if you include all the ones that say that they're quarter Irish as well, I suppose. But Yeah, especially on St. Paddy's Day. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, this could get very messy. And let, let's stick to what we do know, and that's uh, German football. And Guys, um, uh, we didn't have a Monday night game this week, which uh, is why we're um, able to... Uh, get the pot out a little earlier which uh, we're happy about and seems like i'd imagine the fans are happy about as well and uh i suppose let's start by talking about the friday night game we've seen a uh, stuttgart who have been a fine form recently beat freiburg away from home two goals from mario gomez sees them move up the table and yeah they're sitting in it which yeah, isn't too far off a, a european spot um manu uh, it was it was a bit of a, a Derby, wasn't it? But um, Stuttgart came out, well, with all three points and they look good for possibly getting into a Europa League, don't they? Yeah, first of all, I'm glad we don't have a Monday game. Um, it's just so nice getting this part out on, on a Sunday and have a conclusion to uh, what I thought was a very interesting match day and it started with a very good match on Friday. You know, we've been sort of it's been a bit flat the last couple of match days. I'm not going to lie. And I felt that this, this match day, when I watched the Friday game, I thought, okay, this could be, things could be better this weekend. And I thought this was a very interesting game between two teams that really tried to play football. And Stuttgart, um, with your favorite coach of the league, Bryce, um, they, they haven't lost a game under Korkut. Um, it's, it's really remarkable how they have gone from the relegation spots. All the way to to eight, and then just two points behind Hoffenheim. And remember, seventh is probably going to be enough to reach the Europa League this year because the four um, semi-finalists, um, Schalke, Frankfurt, Leverkusen, and Bayern, um, they're already in the European spots, right? So if one of them wins the cup, the the spot will go back to the league, which means seventh will be enough for the Europa League. And 
they're looking good for that now. And um, I think two key things that Stuttgart did um, that was to, even though they weren't really in huge relegation troubles, to part ways with Hannes Wolf, which wasn't an easy decision for them to make. It was a very difficult decision for them to make because he's a very talented coach, right? And to sign Mario Gomez. And Mario Gomez was the difference maker on Friday night. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the button, it's back. Mario Bomber's button. Chris, you discovered it on the internet, didn't you? Uh, yeah, unfortunately, its bandwidth's been exceeded already. So, um, yeah, I tweeted out last night, the button's back, and, and already it's gone. <laughs> How come it's gone? Uh, I think we should, because obviously the guy that runs the site, whoever's made it, it's only got limited bandwidth, and everybody starts pressing the button, don't they, when he scores, <laughs> and uh, it chews up his bandwidth. I think we should really crowd surf this, or is it crowdfund? That's how down with the kids I am. We should club together and get this guy a full-time server. Or we should bring it, bring the Mario Gomez button onto the Football Crowd Network, Manu. I'll, I'll talk to I'll talk to our techie. I'm sure we can do it. We should contact him and we'll host it over on footballstadt.com. That shouldn't be an issue at all. It's just a page, right? And a click. Yeah, that's all it is. <laughs> yeah, I think it needs to be done. I think that that's... That's the biggest project you're going to have this week, Manu. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, you know, if he keeps going like that, we have to, we have to worry about our bandwidth as well. <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, Chris, um, obviously Manu and I spoke about, um, how Stuttgart could possibly get uh, a European spot, uh, and they're in fine form. Uh, do you believe that they'll be able to, uh, creep in to the Europa League? They're, they're not far behind, um, Hoffenheim at the moment. Well, they may be able to. They're playing very well at the moment and they're managing to pick up points where others are starting to drop them. So you know, I'm sure we're going to get onto Hoffenheim's um, game this weekend, which was, a, was an absolute cracker. But there's two points dropped there. Um, I still got taken full advantage of that. My only fear is I don't know if they're ready to go straight into Europe. Um, I mean, they have got the right backing um, and they will have the funds to make um, purchases in the summer to get them Europa League ready. I just don't know if it's a little too early. Maybe this time next year, I think they could be ready for it. But I, I would be hesitant to send another promoted side into Europe, albeit it is Stuttgart and they're very strong historically. Um, you know, the team they played this weekend, Freiburg, uh, were promoted and went straight into Europa League and then didn't get through the qualification stages, which then um, affects all sorts um, to do with the German um, national side and to do with the German league. So, yeah, the coefficiency would be harmed, I think, again, if, if Stuttgart went in. I mean, we spoke last weekend, the, the the top six and seven as it stood last week, for me, was the strongest side that could go into Europe. Yeah, no, I mean, Manu, what do you think it is that Korkut has done uh, to the Stuttgart side to uh, to make them so impressive of late? I mean, last five games, they've, they've won four of them and, and drew one. It, it It is an impressive time for them. Yeah, he's ba he basics, um, strong defense, um, have them, you know, just rely on, on defensive football first. And then, um, the rest is really just using the, the, the strong attacking players that they have out of a very well organized defense. And, um, look, if you don't concede goals and, um, I don't have the number in my head right now. I'm pretty sure you have it right in front of you, Bryce, but they haven't conceded many. And I think that is really much the foundation of, of Korkut's football and it works. And if you have someone like Mario Gomez and, you know, he's, he has a lot of aid and Ginchek as well. And, um, there's a lot of good attacking players in that side period. Then, you know, 
that that's a good recipe for success. And this is a side that we always thought when, when I looked, I watched them at, uh, against Dortmund in just before the winter break, um, in Stuttgart. And I thought this is a very good side. And this was a game that they won. So all the, all the fundamental things were already there. It's just that they tactically, I think Hannes Wolf had them play a bit too aggressive. Um, and that, you know, when you come in new into the league, that can, that can hurt you a little bit. So he basically shut shop in the back and then just relying on the, on really the superior players and talent that they have up front. Yeah, that's it. I mean, you mentioned about uh, defensively, they've been very strong. They're, they're joint second when it comes to um, goals conceders, um, along with the likes of Schalke and uh, Frankfurt as well. Um, but goal seems to have been an issue, scoring the least amount of goals bar Hamburg this season. Uh, they'll definitely need to keep Mario Gomez uh, fit and hope that he can put away a few for them. They're, they've got Hamburg next, which I'm sure they'll be rather um, eager for. Um, Chris, um, if, if we just look at um, Freiburg before we move away from the fixture, uh, it's not been a great season for them, has it? I, I mean, would they have been expecting... Uh, a bit more than maybe sitting in 14th at the moment. I mean, I don't think there's any risk of them going down or going into that relegation playoff. But, um, yeah, it's, it's not been a fantastic year for them, has it? No, it hasn't. But I think we have to remember who they lost, um, you know, in the closed season. Um, Grifo, Philip, um, excellent players, I think, were key to the the style they played last season. Um, and... They were a real surprise to everybody when they came up, and maybe they've just found their level. I'm not saying that you know, 14th place is their level, but down or that area would be be a little unfair. But you only stay in the league by where you are, and I think you're quite right, Bryce. They're on 30 points at the moment. There's a five-point gap to um, Wolfsburg and Mainz who are fighting out for that relegation slot in 16th, and there'd have to be some sort of catastrophic failure um, by Christian Strike and the people down in Freiburg. But uh, they, if I mean, if they finish 15th, I'm sure they will be happy because they will retain their Bundesliga status and they can build again next year. But I don't think they adequately replaced the two guys that went out um, in the summer who um, went on and, and have played very well at the clubs they've gone on to when they've had the chance. You know, Maximilian Philip played um, for Dortmund this morning, or it was this afternoon, wasn't it? Early on this afternoon, on Sundays, we record this. Um, and he came on and I thought he was excellent, hit the post, and we'll get onto that game in a minute. But it just shows that they that's just who they're missing at the moment. There seems to be something missing at Freiburg, um, and, and it's in that area, unfortunately, for them. But, uh, you know, if they finish anywhere between 10th and 14th, I think it will be a good season for them. They're one of those clubs we spoke last season that maybe they're in the top 20, top 25 uh, clubs in Germany. So if they do drop down, then it's maybe not the end of the world for them. But where they are currently, I think it's a flare reflection. Yes, indeed. And I think that more or less does it for the Friday night game. Let's move on to teams that are in form and talk about Eintracht Frankfurt. They move up to fourth on the table. Uh, rather impressive in itself. They managed to beat Mainz 3-0 this weekend. Mainz obviously not in good form, which we'll get to um, at some point. But um, Manu, yeah, the, the Eagles are flying high, as some would say. Yeah, they indeed are flying high. I watched this game and I thought... You know, this is a derby game. Um, so these are, although Frankfurt are a much better side than Mainz, and Mainz is, is for me one of, maybe one of the favorites actually at the moment to go down and Bundesliga to Bundesliga two. Um, this is still a derby match, right? And anything can happen in a derby match. They're very difficult to play. And Frankfurt, um, got the lead very quick, got the three goals, and then they did 
what, what the championship side does or like a very good side does and they just it's just sat on it and um the for, the second 45 minutes weren't as spectacular as the first but i thought they managed that game so well game management is so important if you want to have success and it's, it's such a big jump from what we saw from them at points last season right where they um at this part stage of the season really fell apart and um that's not happening at all and i think niko kovac and the entire team and everyone who's involved with this team they have made a huge jump when it comes to game management and managing um, the decisions better. Yellow and red cards are still a little bit of an issue, but I think it has improved. Um, Oma Mascarellas and Fabian are the only two people, players struggling with injuries a little bit, but the, the squad is now so deep um, that they easily can cope with that. You know, Sebastian Haller hasn't been great scoring, so you know what? They're throwing Luka Jovic and he's doing it instead. And that's, that's for me just a sign that they really managed to develop the side and give it a lot of strength. And I would say squad depth wise, they have almost the strongest of the teams, um, in that top six right now. They have a lot of moving parts, a lot of players in, in every position. And that's something, you know, that they did really well during the, the summer transfer window that they just brought in strength and numbers to, to manage that side. Well, and I mean, another transfer and Chris, we, we, all thought, what are they doing when they brought in Kevin Prince Boateng? And that is probably now the transfer of the season. Yeah, it is. I was there for his first game when he came on and, and he didn't particularly impress me then. And I did genuinely wonder why they brought him back. But since, you know, match day one, he's gone on. And I remember back to, I think it was the Gladbach game not so long ago where he was excellent, even putting so much to go, he's putting his body on the line to get injured, to get a goal, which is a very brave thing to do. But every time I've seen him play, and that includes... And when I was over in Wolfsburg for, um, I think it was match day, oh, it was a long time ago now anyway. Uh, but when we were over there for for that particular glut of games, I thought he was excellent. In fact, he was probably the, the player of the weekend for me that weekend when um, we were over there for Hertha, Dortmund and Wolfsburg, Frankfurt. I thought they were excellent. In fact, I spoke to the Hey Eintracht Frankfurt pod after that and said that this is something that we've noted. And Manny, you've said it again Um about their game management is phenomenal. Now, the second half, as you quite rightly said, is a little boring. But if you are able to go 3-0 up and then just shut the shop and then just grind out a 0-0 and, and manage that game fantastically, not only does that put you in good stead for the league, it also shows that this is the type of team that could translate that success into Europe for me next season. Yeah, absolutely. I, I think the, the the big thing for me is is that second half. To really be able to grind grind that result out is um yeah that's that was for me I, I thought that just the way they handled that and minds had tried to put in pressure on them because they had so much trouble right now and to handle that so well that's just yeah fanta- fantastic performance by them that's the sort of performance um when you're in europe you need to you know win your home games mm-hmm. Um, especially if they go to the Europa League and they start playing um, and they get out of that into knockout stage and they start playing two-legged football. That was, you know, that was an example of, of two-legged football in 90 minutes. A fantastic start. You'd say that's your home game, go and win 3-0. And then to go abroad um, and just sit on that and, and grind out a nil-nil, um, it might not be, the, say, the most exciting, but it's certainly the most effective. And, you know, you're quite right, Um I mean, you highlighted uh, Jovic there. He was brilliant. Every time I've seen him play live in the flesh, he's he came on and scored. And 
uh, I really, really am excited by his play. I think he's fantastic. And when he's partnering Rebic up front, I think think he's really good. But it's that midfield four that they seem to be playing at the moment. Um, Kovac has sort of not stumbled upon a system because that would be unkind to him. But the, the holding midfield of the six that he plays, no matter who plays in that area, that's key to that as well. Looking after the back three and supplying the back four. And then if they've got the ability, feeding it direct into the front two, which we've seen a number of times this season. And I would say Frankfurt have not only been the surprise of the season, but come May, if we're going to be handed out awards for team of the season, last season I give to Freiburg. It's going to take some stop into um, Eintracht Frankfurt to get my team of the season. Mm, yeah, I would go along with that. And uh, maybe just a, a final anecdote. Freddie Bobic um, went and uh, said to the media that when he suggested that they should sign uh, Kevin Prince Boateng in the summer, the Eintracht Frankfurt board was thinking that he was joking at first. And uh, I think he's the one laughing now. <laughs> yeah, well, I think, uh, as you said, uh, Manu, the second half of last season, they could barely uh, pick up a point. They, they couldn't, you know, win games at all. They were, they were truly shocking. And it seemed like they had a heavy reliance on Marco Fabian and uh, needed him to come back into the team to, to, to have any type of, uh, firepower. But this, this season has been completely different. And it's, it's a good thing to see, isn't it? We like more competition in the Bundesliga. But, Manu, you, you wrote uh, an article, um, haven't you, uh, recently, uh, saying uh, whether it would, well, it would actually be a benefit for Eintracht to get into the Champions League. That sounds like an obvious thing to say, but we've all discussed before that sometimes you know these jumps can be a step too far. But but you you think that it's going to be a healthy thing for them? It, it's the money, Bryce. Um, I did the number crunching um, last night after the game because. Um, it is, it is an, it is a fair debate, right? Um, the problem is with the Europa League. Um, yes, as a competition, they will probably fit in there a little bit better. The problem is what we've seen in the past is that teams that reach the Europa League don't have the fun, they don't get the financial windfall to keep their teams together and to add to their teams. Now, um, the math is quite simple. Worst case scenario. And this is, this is the absolute worst case scenario. And I'm basing this on the 2016, 17 numbers, um, because the, the numbers for this season are not out yet, right? But, um, if you lose all your games in the group stage of the Champions League, you still walk away with 30 million, um, euros. Now, when you win the Europa League, that means going all the way to the final. And this is based on, uh, the Manchester United numbers and the numbers would be the same for a German team because it's, Market pool plus, um, money that, so market pool is the money that different associations get. And then there is a prize money that is a fixed amount, right? Um, Germany, England, Spain, and Italy are considered the big markets in Europe. So they get more, right? And Manchester United got 45 million euros from winning the Europa League last year. So they ended up with 45 million euros. A Europa League winner from Germany can approximately calculate with that kind of money. Um, a team like Frankfurt will not reach the Europa League final next year, right? So they have to calculate in the region of maybe may reaching the round of 16 at the best, uh, at which stage you would earn um, about 6 million euros from, from the Europa League. If you get out of the Champions League group stage, you're already at 45 to 50 million euros, um, which is doable. And this is money that you can calculate with, right? This doesn't even include all the extra bonuses you get for every game you win. If you win a game in the Champions League, you get 1.5 million euros. 
Even for a draw, you get 500,000. That's 10 times the amount of money you get for a win or draw in the Europa League. So basically, the moment they read, they finish in the top four, they can calculate with 35 million euros extra. That's keeping Lukas Hardetsky. That's keeping everyone on the side. And that's, that's like two extra signings for them on top of the television money that they get, um, from being in the Bundesliga and being in the top four. Whereas when you're in the Europa League, you cannot calculate with that kind of money. You can have a, you get a base calculation of an additional 3 million euros. Now that's not going to buy you very much. That's not even going to pay Lukas Hadetsky's salary next year and he will be gone, right? He will be one of many gone. So I think from a financial situation and getting Frankfurt to that next level, they will actually almost have to reach the Champions League. And in, in the numbers that I just told you, it doesn't even include sponsorship. It doesn't include ticket sales. Um, and it doesn't include pot- potential investors coming in because you're all of a sudden a Champions League side. So that's, that's a huge change, right? They basically would turn from a team that has to recreate a squad every season into a team that not can only keep players together, but can make another jump. And given the, the, the market size of Frankfurt as a city, that could actually create, we spoke about this last season, right, Chris, about teams from the big cities in Germany that could potentially one day challenge Bayern. And we, we targeted Hamburg, well, that's kind of gone. We targeted Köln, well, they were in the Europa League and they did lose key players. And we talked about Berlin and well, Berlin or Berlin. So this is really the team that has that opportunity to break into that echelon. Yeah, very interesting the way you broke that down, actually. Um, yeah, well, hopefully they can, they can see it out, get into the Champions League. And I, th- I think it's going to be a good thing for the city of Frankfurt as well. But Chris, um, can we just have a little second to speak about Mainz? Um, things aren't quite looking as favorable for them. They've only picked up six points out of a possible 30, um, in this calendar year. Um, Manu even said that, you know, that they're possibly one of the teams that's well, maybe even favourites to um to land that third from bottom place. Um, what's your views? What what exactly has gone wrong for them this season? Oh well, I think they've just been found out. I think they were a little lucky that they weren't um, a lot lower than they were last season. Uh, they play, you know, is it rude to say they play boring football? Because they are horrendously boring at times. Their football is um, unimaginative. It's very rudimentary. It's easy for teams to pick apart if you look. Um, if you look at recently, Hoffenheim tore them apart 4-2. They're, they're drawing or losing points to um, teams around them. For instance, everyone's been battering Hamburg. They couldn't even do that. Um, you know, they have, um, they've been beaten by Schalke and Bayern. Okay, I get that. Um, they are good sides. But, I mean, it's telling. The only game they've won in recent times is against Hertha Berlin. And they're another team who are equally as boring at times. So, um, I think it's a fair reflection of them. And, that it's just it's very sour for them at the moment. I, I look around when I see them, um, and they're playing in front of a, a third empty stadium. Um, it, it's it must be disappointing for them, and it must be hard for them to get themselves out of this rut they're in. And um, I think back to back defeats here is going to put them into a real real slog because look at the games they current up currently. They've got Gladbach. You would fancy Gladbach to beat them. And then you've got um, them playing Cologne and you couldn't find two different teams at the moment on different trajectories and different ways of approaching the game. So if they fail to pick up um, nothing out of those six points on offer, uh, then they could be in a lot of trouble. Um, And then, of course, 
their running is probably one of the hardest, I think, um, there is for the teams down there. Their last three games are against Leipzig, Dortmund and Werder Bremen, who've been playing very, very well recently. So I think unless they have a monumental turnaround in the next two match days, um, I think we could be looking at a team that are going to be in a relegation playoff uh, later on this season. It wouldn't be the holiday season if there wasn't candy, right? Celebrate the holiday season with the Holiday Crush. They've sprinkled candy with a holiday theme and fun-packed challenges every week for five whole weeks, finishing on January 4th. The more challenges you complete, the better your chances of unwrapping delicious rewards. So, are you ready to crush the holidays? Play the Holiday Crush now. Download it from the App Store, Google Play, or Windows Store for free. Terms and conditions apply. And Manu, if we just stick to the relegation um, area of the league at, at the moment, uh, Cologne won this weekend. They, they managed to beat uh, Bayer Leverkusen 2-0. Uh, do you see them in the coming weeks maybe passing the likes of Mainz or maybe even catching up with the likes of uh, Wolfsburg? Well, 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 how things change from one match day to another, right? Um, they looked so dead and buried last week. And then this week, everything went in their favor. Absolutely everything. They, they won their game and um, looked very good, by the way, today against Leverkusen, a side that I thought had a very good season and still having a good season. And, um, yeah, Wolfsburg lost, Mainz lost, um, Hamburg lost. And um, all of a sudden, it's just five points with seven games to play. That's nothing when you look at trajectories. That's absolutely nothing because... Mainz and Wolfsburg lose another, lose the next match day and Köln win. Um, then that, that five points becomes two. And Köln still has Mainz and Wolfsburg. Um, and the final match of the season is actually Wolfsburg against Köln. I, yeah, I, I think it's a possibility. I mean, we, we all said they were dead and buried last week and then they came out with this performance today that was just unbelievable. Um, such a great match by them. Pick up three big points in the derby. It could happen. Yeah. It really could. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think they, we probably looked at it last week and thought them picking up anything against the likes of uh, Leverkusen, who have had a good season, is it, slim to none. But they really burst out of the traps this week, didn't they? Uh, yes, there was sending off to Laria, which, um, after the referee looking at, you know, at the video assistance, you know, decided to, to send him on his way. Uh, which certainly would have uh, influenced uh, the results. Don't get me wrong, but but they look they look game for it today. And the passing was good. They they do look like one of the sides actually down in that part of the uh, the table that are playing a bit of football, if you mm. know what I mean. So um, things are looking positive, and especially when we all know like the the fans, you know, it, it it's such a big part of uh, Cologne home games as well, and it could be very influential. That that final. Match day is perfectly placed, really, isn't it? If um, well, I I hope at that stage you know, there's still a lot for them to to play for because it will just make it even more entertaining, won't it? Um, well, but Bryce, yeah. two match days from now, so match day twenty nine, they have minds at home. Yeah, exactly. And as Chris said, you know, if if you base them on form at the moment. You would have to say that that that's set up for Cologne to pick up three points, isn't it? And you know, not to use a pun, but people would say that that's that's a six pointer, isn't it? You know, 
Um, it's it's got very interesting, and I, I think what, what we've also decided should decide is um, yeah, not to call this one just yet because uh, we we keep saying, don't we, at different points that they're gone, they're gone now, but they keep giving us a, a bit of hope. Um, and I think there's a there's a lot of games and a lot of twists and turns to come. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what is. they've got to do though, what they've got to do, guys, is they've got to put some sort of form together. If you look at last time. And they won, they beat Hamburg 2-0. And then they drew to Augsburg and lost back-to-back games mm. against Dortmund and Frankfurt. Um, and then, you know, they pulled off an unbelievable victory against Leipzig. Uh, against Leipzig, But then were beaten by Stuttgart and Werder Bremen back-to-back. And now they've just beaten Leverkusen. So it's going to be important for them to pull out some sort of result. If they can get a draw against Hoffenheim and then beat Mainz, then that could propel them on um, to, you know, I mean, look at the games after that. They got Hertha... That's winnable for them. Schalke, maybe not so. Then they've got Freiburg, which you could think they could win, given on Freiburg's form. Then they've got to play Bayern, who, of course, will have won the championship by then. That's the Saturday, the 5th of May. So they'll probably still be drunk. So they've got a good chance of, of beating Bayern at home because Bayern will be concentrating, we hope, on a Champions League final that will be coming up not long after that. And then, as Manu says, they've got that last game against Wolfsburg. So for the teams down the bottom... Easier running is probably a, a, a hard thing to say, or, or not a very factual thing to say. But it's more—they have definitely have a more winnable running than any of the others around them. Uh, Chris, just uh, you're obviously looking at the fixtures at the moment. How many points do you see them getting out of those? Well, well, if they're going to be on top form, they can definitely draw against Toppenheim. So that's one. They can beat Mainz um, four, Hertha maybe seven. I'd say they take a loss against Schalke. Uh, maybe draw with Freiburg. I can quite easily see them take 11 or 12 points out of that running, which would be definitely be enough to pull them clear. Yeah, 32 points could be enough this year. 32, 34 points. And then, then of course, that final match against Wolfsburg, right? Yeah, that's it. I think they're going to have to pick up um, their form a little bit, as Chris said, a bit more consistency when it comes to that. But I suppose it also comes down to if Mainz can pull themselves out of this rut and Wolfsburg. Uh, two teams that look you know, a bit um, down and out at the moment. But, guys, let, let's jump back up the table. Uh, we kind of um, unexpectedly just uh, jumped into the relegation battle. But let's talk about um, the other uh, European sides. Um, uh, well, European hopefuls, what we say. Uh, we've got Schalke and rivals Dortmund sitting in second and third. Schalke, very much uh, a team in good form as well. Uh, Chris, can you see both these teams... Well, more or less, they're getting into the Champions League now. You know, with with their positions, they may not be that much further ahead than Frankfurt, but I, it would be hard to see them slip up and fall out of that, right? I think it would be disappointing to see either of them slip up and fall um, out of that. Um, as someone who goes and watches Borussia Dortmund a lot and has got some good ties to Borussia Dortmund, it pains me to say that I think this season Schalke will finish above them. Um, I think Tedesco's done a fantastic job there and they've got some excellent players and they're playing a brand of football which is exciting to watch and um, I think we can all see by the reaction um, from the Schalke bench that even though they just about scraped past what is a poor Wolfsburg um, it meant a lot to them because they know they're going to be chased the whole way um, by their neighbours but um, I would be exceptionally surprised if either of them fell out of the top four and I think it would be unfair reflective on their season. Um, Dortmund looked to be a little more solid 
under Peter Stoger now today's result was was a good result, um, although they're still not converting enough goals. And um, as we spoke before the pod, if they defend the way they did against Bayern um, at times like they did against Hanover, I mean, they give Hanover three real good opportunities to score and Hanover couldn't take any of them. Well, I don't think Bayern Munich failed to take one of them. They probably take two out of those three. So it's going to be difficult for them. But um, I think on the season whole, if Schalke were to finish second, I think that would be really reflective of the way they've performed this season under Domenico Tedesco. Yeah, absolutely. They've had a, a fantastic season as well. It seems like we're really singing the praises of several clubs this year, but uh, it is true. There's, there's been quite a few that uh, are much improved on, on last year. Um, I, I suppose, uh, Manu, would you agree with Chris that Schalke look good for second place at the moment? I mean, if we look at the uh, next match today, Schalke are going to be at home to Freiburg, where Dortmund, we know, will be playing uh, Bayern Munich. Then after that, you've got... Dortmund playing Stuttgart, which is going to be tough. We talked about uh, their fine form, where we've got Schalke playing Hamburg, you know, which they'll be rubbing their hands together, thinking they should be able to get six points in those two games, surely. Yeah. Yeah, and it's the only question mark that I have about Schalke Bryce is all those results were re- are very tight. Um, you know, it's they have, they have that match luck a little bit. That is just scraping by results and they weren't that convincing against Wolfsburg to me. And that's, that's a game that can also maybe go the other way. And that there's been a lot of games like that. So they, for me personally, they, they lack that, um, quality a little bit. And I can see them also, I can see those results go the other way um, very easily. And you look at the, the difference in goal differential, um, Dortmund has a goal differential that's more reflective of a side that should probably be second in chasing Bayern. And Schalke have a goal differential that's, you know, more reflective of a fourth, fourth or maybe fifth place team. And, um, I think the real reason why Schalke are where they are is because Dortmund didn't win a game from October to November. Like, this is something that we have to remember. And I think, could Schalke finish ahead of Dortmund? Yeah, absolutely, because the next two match days, uh, Chris outlined them very well. Dortmund could drop behind, but I mean, I could also see Dortmund win those two games. Um, and Schalke maybe drawing one of them and then it, the table is flipped. So it's, yeah, I, I'm, I'm of all the teams, funnily enough, of all the teams, even though Schalke had a good season, I'm just not convinced. Um, I'm just not a hundred percent convinced by this side. I think for me, my my reasoning behind it is Schalke, as, as Bryce said, will play Freiburg and Hamburg mm. back-to-back before the um, Rivera derby, whereas Dortmund have got Bayern and Stuttgart, which I think is a little yeah. more of a test for them. So it's going to be very, very well poised for that um, game in the Veltins, which I think is going to be a, a cracker. Um, you would expect Schalke to attack um, at home and Dortmund have been a little bit suspect on on times. But what they did show today, and they have done for the last couple of games, disregard the European games, but the last couple of Bundesliga games, is they've been able to get that counter-attack back. Um, so 
it could all be set up for an exceptionally end-to-end game um, on the 15th of April. So I'll be looking forward to that. But for me, it's, it's how the running into that game goes. And then we're three matches away and it's almost like a shootout then, isn't it, to see which team in that area finishes top. I think that maybe the big difference between Bayern and Dortmund to, to precurse the Klassiker a little bit is that um, unlike Bayern, Dortmund didn't send any players to the German national team. And that basically means that, yes, there's other players that go to their respective national teams, right? But that's two weeks off for some key players um, ahead of the Bayern, of, ahead of the Klassiker. I'm curious to see how that's going to affect things. And I think if Dortmund win that game against Bayern, then I'm 100% sure that Dortmund will finish second. But you're absolutely right, Chris. I mean, yeah, Dortmund definitely have the far more difficult program going into into the Revere derby. Uh, may I just ask, uh, fellas, how do you see that game going just before we, we, we talk about um, Dortmund in, in Europe? I suppose we're going to have to touch on that. But how do you see the um, the classical going? Do you, Chris, do you see... You know, do you see Dortmund being able to get three points out of that game? It's, um, it's a big ask. Well, I think it's all on Bayern Munich, this one, Bryce, because if they give me the accreditation that I've applied for, then Dortmund will win because I've never seen Dortmund um, get beat um, in the Allianz Arena. So it's it's all on Bayern, I think. It's up to <laughs> them. The, the, um, the future's in their hands. We may want to have to cut this one out, guys, just in case Chris doesn't get the accreditation. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, we, we're yeah, going to preview this one extensively, I guess, next week anyways, right? So maybe we'll, once we know how the national team games went and um, look at injuries and squad depth and et cetera, that, that's going to be something that we're going to look very much in depth into um, next week anyways. Yeah, I think we, we can hold out till then and talk about it. Eh? But um, as I said, we're going to talk about Dortmund a little bit further, aren't we? Um, th- things didn't go too well. In the Europa League, we've seen them uh, drop out uh, to RB Salzburg. Um, if, if I'm being honest, uh, Chris, I watched the game and it it was really poor. Dortmund just didn't seem to turn up at all. They they then uh, went out uh, after a nil nil away draw uh, went out on aggregate two one. Uh, this this was a poor show, showing from Dortmund, wasn't it? Yeah, it was, and I think I um, referred to it twice um, as an embarrassment in both match reports. And embarrassment, um, not just because if you look at the politics, um, Borussia Dortmund uh, vehemently opposed to anything um, to do with the sort of corporate, um, and I'll use their words for this, monstrosity that you know Red Bull football is. So for them to get beat by an Austrian side is one embarrassment, that, but then to fall against something they are... Um, so positively against, I think, would have been another embarrassment or definitely would have been salt into the wounds for them. But, yeah, you're quite right. They were poor in the home game. Um, you know, they shouldn't have um, they shouldn't have been beaten in the home game. And then we all thought there would be a response and there wasn't. And, you know, the performance Salzburg midweek was um, probably one of the worst Dortmund performances I've seen for a long time Um most definitely this season, but then probably a couple of seasons beyond that, they they were really, really poor. So this game this weekend against Hanover, um, Peter Stoger needed a response. He needed a response from the players um, and he needed a response from himself and his staff. And I thought this was a good game. I mean, it went off to a flyer. Um, Michi Batshuayi 
hitting the post after 45 seconds, um, slightly unlucky. His shot took a little deflection um, underneath um, Schausner's body uh, on the way through. We just took it onto the post, and I think you're getting some bad luck when if you hit the post, it doesn't rebound into the back of the net. But then Dortmund just powered past Hanover, but couldn't get that second goal, which if we've talked about the fixtures coming up, is a worry for them. Um, that, that's one of my worries for them. Um, but the way they start, the way they started, I, I thought they were very frightening. Um, in fact, they are referred to Hanover as being, um, you know, caught in the sun and frozen to the pitch because they just didn't have anything about them. And it wasn't until really the 40th minute that they tested them. But on the whole, I thought Dortmund were good for their win. Hit the post late on, clipped the bar with one shot as well. So on the on the balance of play. Um, Dortmund deserved it but I will hark back to what I said earlier which is if you give Bayern Munich any sort of opportunity like they gave Hanover on this particular match day they'll be punished um, or you would expect them to be punished Um, obviously Bayern will be going into that game off the defeat at Leipzig but for me what I was particularly pleased with and Manu you'll have seen um, you'll have seen this game as well was for the first time this season, we saw something of Dahoud, which I thought was excellent. Yeah, no, I mean, Dahoud is for me, people ask me a lot of time about Dahoud. And I think that I, I always point at Ilkay Gundogan. And we all remember, of course, how brilliant of a player Ilkay Gundogan was. But we all, a lot of people don't remember that it took quite some time for him to adapt to Dortmund, right? At life at Dortmund. And so I, I'm of the category people say Mahmoud Dahoud is a fantastic player and he, he will remain a fantastic player and he will strive at this club. Just, he needs a bit of time and Stöger is playing him. Um, even after, you know, games where he didn't look great, Stöger still is playing him. So he has the confidence of the manager now. And I think that is, that's really key for him to just develop and get, get his legs going and get playing time, right? And I mean, this is, this is the most important thing for him now. And I think that we all know what a big of a talent he is, right, Chris? Yeah, he's an exceptional talent. And I think maybe we were spoiled a little bit. Don't forget, he's a young, very young guy still, still developing, still learning the trade. And maybe we were spoiled with the sort of skill and the performances he put on when he was at Gladbach. Mm. And um, just because he's young and he's moved, maybe it will take a season or two. But Dortmund certainly have the time. Um, and the ability to develop that. And let's not forget, he's nowhere near his prime as a footballer, yet you're looking maybe 25, 26 when a player hits their prime. Um, and he's obviously nowhere near that at the moment. So he has got time on his side to grow into this side. Um, but once again, um, Dortmund's ability to spot potential talent in the form of Batshuayi to bring him in, when which pretty much I think we're all going to say he was a bit of a Chelsea reject. He's now scored more goals um, in his start at Dortmund than um, Aubameyang did in his start in the same number of games. So we know what he went on to be. It's all can they keep him in the summer. Um, if he keeps playing like this, I can't see Chelsea will will want to sell him, especially you would expect them to have a manager move on. And if I was going to come into Chelsea, the first thing I'd want would be um, Batshuayi back in a blue kit. Yeah, most certainly. And that goal was something special, wasn't it? A fantastic bit of technique. Uh Manu, if we look at the uh, points that uh, Dortmund have uh, at this stage of the season compared to the last, they're only two points behind. So if they were to beat Bayern, they would actually, because uh, they played Bayern on week uh, or match week 28 as well last season, if they were to beat them, 
as they lost to them last year 4-1, they would actually have more points this season than what they did last year. I know that's a lot of ifs and buts, but I suppose when you think about how poorly they were at one stage in the season, um, it's not actually that bad in comparison, is it? And a, a lot of people are very critical of Stuger um, since he's come in about the football maybe not being as scintillating as what they would like it to be, but it has been efficient, hasn't it? it he's, he's got results, and it, it, though it doesn't seem to stop the links with other coaches. What did Chris call it this morning? Stuger ball. Um, yeah, <laughs> I did indeed. It's, um, <laughs> It's it's a tough question, Bryce, because to, we didn't really feel that Thomas Tuchel got the most out of the side last season either. Um, he his football at times was tantalizing, but that was also because of Usman Dembele, and um, the football was tantalizing at times in the beginning of the season this year too, and then it just completely fell flat. And I think Stöger is getting the maximum out of the side. That this what we see is what we're gonna get, and there will be changes coming. Um, there's a lot of changes. I think that they already worked on right now. And I think maybe this is just the maximum that you're going to get out of this side. Um, and yes, you're right. Victory against Bayern would mean he, Dortmund are actually ahead of what Thomas Tuchel uh, fabricated last season. I think last season at this point, Thomas Tuchel was already very much in trouble with the dressing room. And um, people remember him for that first season at Dortmund and the, the amazing football that they played in Europe, but also in the Bundesliga, right, where they came so very close to dislodging Bayern from the top of the table. But they forget that, of course, the Dortmund bled players, um, three star players left, Gundogan and Mkhitaryan and, um, of course, Hummels. And that's that's something that Dortmund really has been struggling with for now for a couple of years. And I think it's it maybe a little bit of a cut is important that they just, um, you know, rebuild with younger players, players that still want to win stuff. They can keep Butch White, that's great. Um, I'm not um, 100% sure that he is the player that they do actually need. Um, there's rumors about Lautaro Martinez that Dortmund have um, outbid Inter Milan to sign him, the Argentine wonder kid, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that as well. We have a source in Argentina and um, Inter Milan seem to have, even though Dortmund have outbid them, Inter Milan seem to have the upper hand because there's a pre-agreement so um interesting though that Dortmund are looking at other options and I think that the magic is just a little bit gone right now for me. Um when we watched the side two or three years ago, there was a magic about it and that's just gone. And I think maybe um Stöger is the right man right now and maybe he will be the right man next season too to, if he gets the right player material. But maybe someone new will come in, someone like Lucien Favre and there's also rumors about Ralf Hasenhüttl. Um, who I think is an excellent coach. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, I mean, Chris, we talked about this off air. Um, it's really just people forget that the side wasn't great last year either at times. No, it wasn't. And we're talking about a side that had to win on the last game of the season to be, um, to be in that Champions League automatic slot. If results would have gone the other way towards the end of the season, they could have quite possibly been in a Champions League playoff, which I think would have been a little embarrassing for them, especially as they went on to win the Pokal. And, and maybe that papered over some of the cracks from last season. But this season, yeah, you, you've just mentioned all the reasons why it's gone wrong. And it's interesting to see a pre-match press conference by um, Zork to say that, to paraphrase him, um, they would look again 
um, at the coaching situation in the summer because maybe it's not worked out as they thought it would do so far. So that's quite telling when you've got someone like Zork saying that. But in the meantime, you know, Stoker's getting the results that they need. If you look at the last time they were really beaten um, convincingly in the Bundesliga, you've got to go back a long way. And, you know, he's doing well. I think that's 16 games now across competitions where Peter Stoker's got a good result for Dortmund. So I think it bodes well going into the Classica after the international break. And if he can win that, um, you know, you know the magnitude of that game and what it's thought of, not just by the players, but the fans and also by the board. Um, and then if they put in a really good display against Schalke, you never know what might happen last season. But I, I, I don't really know. I think it might we might be in that Dortmund situation again, where you know with Thomas Tuchel he went into a meeting and we didn't know whether he was going to be sacked or whether he was going to stay. I think we could be into that sort of same element at the end of the season, where literally until they have a meeting, um, they don't know if they're going to carry on with Stoger or not. Yeah, I suppose time will tell. We'll just have to see what happens. Um, it's going to be hard to uh, part ways with him, I would imagine, if he continues uh, to keep them in fine form. But uh, another team that's uh, had a rather good week and a good um, day of results uh, today was uh, RB Leipzig. They managed to beat uh, the the champions, Bayern Munich, um, which seems to be becoming a bit of a, a classic to us. We were there last year, weren't we, to see RB Leipzig at home to Bayern. Unfortunately, they lost on that occasion uh, 5-4. Fantastic day for the three of us um, all in the ground. But um, they managed to come out on top after being 1-0 down today to win 2-1. They also progressed through in the Europa League. So pretty good week, Manu, for RB Leipzig, eh? Yeah, and I said, um, I said after they they went through against Senate in the in the round of sixteen, Q and a heavy defeat to Bayern, because they have been so hot and cold when it comes to European weeks, and um, they didn't this time. They actually managed to take that performance, and I, I thought they were actually quite good in Russia, in a difficult place to play against a very good side, against a team that's um, very much fought for the, its last chance for to any trophy this season. Um, a coach, Roberto Mazzini, was very much on the ropes right now, right? And needed to win this game. And um, despite that penalty miss in the last minute by Timo Werner, got the result that they needed. And I thought, well, this is a game that will probably have taken a lot out of them. And I didn't see very much for them going into Bayern. And then they played very well today. Um, at times, had Bayern on the ropes. Um, the Maybe the caveat is that um, they should have maybe scored a second or third because... Um, I felt that even 2-1 up, the Bayern were very dangerous at times and could have maybe um, scored that equalizer. And that's maybe something that I've noticed a little bit about Leipzig in the last few weeks, that they have kind of lacked killing off games. It happened against Senate, it happened today against Bayern, that they, they just didn't manage to kill that game off early on. Because if they scored a third, um, maybe even a fourth, um, as Chris suggested on, on our chat, that that could have definitely happened. Then that we would, they would, Bayern would not have come back today. Um, unlike last, last May when we were all there. So I thought it was very good, but there's, there's, there's something that they still need to work on, but I think there's the step in the right direction and they're now back in that Champions League race, Bryce. Yeah, most certainly. We, we've mentioned, haven't we, several times about how close it is at the uh, top of the table there. Um, and Chris, I, I suppose you would agree as well that 
you know, the, this fixture seems to be coming a bit of a, a classic, doesn't it? And they they looked up for it today. Um, and yeah, they're, they're going to have to keep up this form, I suppose, if, if they're going to get into that top four. It's, it's not going to be easy. No, it's not for them. And, you know, both sides heavily rotated. I thought if you look at their buying midfield, it wasn't um, their strongest or the first one that would jump off the page. But then Hassan Holt made some changes as well, left out Forsberg. Um, left out Werner, but the the lineup he went with that three four two one, and he played Cater in a more advanced role, which we've seen in more of a central role as a, um, a almost in a double pivot and a four four two that they played at times. But today they completely changed the tactics, and and it came up trumps for them. I thought they were very hungry. It was almost like that midfield diamond. Um, it's like a diamond five, um, and I thought they were very very good and very strong and. And Bayern looked a little flat at times, and Rudy, I don't think Rudy coped at all with um, Cater and Sabitzer bearing down well on him, which uh, is a little worry for Bayern maybe in the future, especially if they're going to not have the likes of um, Ribéry or Robin or even, you know, Robert Lewandowski didn't start today. Um, but on the plus side for Bayern, um, Sandro Wagner took his goal very well and was very pleased with himself. It was a beautiful header, downward header. I think it's the only place he could have beat um, putting the ball to beat Galashi in the goal. But back to Leipzig, and Manu said it, and you know, we chatted it off air, they should have really put three or four past by and, and made a big statement. Um, Poulsen had a good chance. Um, Werner had another very good chance. Um I think Sabitz or Alamar had a very good chance as well to put the game out of reach. And it had that little feeling towards the back end of the game um, that Bayern would just come up and do what Bayern do very well, which is steal um, a very, very late consolation or maybe even winning goal if they could have got a couple. We saw that last weekend um, or the weekend before previously, sorry, where Bayern can just steam back into a match that what they have in depth. But for, for Leipzig, a man who mentioned it, they've been dreadful on the whole when they come back from Europe. But this was a really, really good victory for them in what was a full um, Red Bull arena. And I think it's probably the best game I've seen Leipzig play this season. Certainly the best I've seen from their midfield five. Yeah, I think so. I think they looked very positive, didn't they? They looked very lively. Byron tried to move up the pitch then. It created a bit more space. And so we know that RB Leipzig like a bit of space when it comes to attacking. They like to be able to run into those channels. And yeah, very exciting and a fantastic victory for them. Um, Manu, if we look at the Europa League, um, the draw has been done and it's seen RB Leipzig taking on Olympic Marseille. Uh, what do you think of their chances of progressing um, beyond this stage? Um, is the Champions League, um, via winning the Europa League, a, a possibility for them? Look, they took out Napoli, they took out Zenit. I think those are two teams that are on the level, maybe even above Marseille. And, um, I think, yeah, I mean, the big, the big one for Leipzig will be to avoid Atletico Madrid in the semi-final if they get there, right? Um, and then it's when, once you're in the final, everything is possible. This is, this is a good side. RB Leipzig are a good side. And if you, if, if they take out Olympic Marseille, I think they can win this competition, um, or among the teams that could win the competition. So yeah, why not? Price. But yeah, Olympic Marseille, especially in Marseille, that will be 
a tough game. We have a Marseille expert on the Football Guard Network and Thomas Farines, who will probably bring on before this match to chat to us a bit about Olympic um, and the, the strengths and weaknesses of this side. And, you know, the, the velodrome in Marseille is a very difficult place to play, but they've done it in Napoli. They've done it in, in Russia, in St. Petersburg. Um, so those are already two big clubs that they've taken out in this competition. And I can't see why Marseille should be now um, the Stolperstein for them. Yes, indeed. Why can't they go all the way to the final A? Uh, Atletico, I agree, will be the only bigger and more challenging side for them in the competition in my eyes. But, uh, Chris, let, let's talk a little bit about Bayern. Um, obviously, they're going to be champions, it looks like, in the coming few weeks, uh, unless there was a hell of a shock. Uh, but um, they they looked a little bit tired today, didn't they? They did have a few chances, but um, ju- just weren't weren't firing on all cylinders like they normally are. I mean, is the national team uh, or the international break um, coming up this week, is, is it perfect timing for them? Uh, not really, because most of their players will go and play for their respective country. So, um, no, I don't think it is. I think they could probably do with pulling a few players out with injuries, in inverted commas. Um, I mean, look who they've got. Lucky they didn't start today. Boateng didn't start. Rafina came on late. Martinez, who I thought has played very, very well this season, didn't start. Lewandowski didn't start and Ribery didn't start. I don't know if I mentioned him twice. But, um, you know, Muller played on the right. I do like Thomas Muller a lot, but I'm not sure if I like him on the right compared to when I like him as a second striker. Um, and I don't know. The back four didn't look particularly good. And I think um, the removal of Kimmich isn't a good sign for them either. But on the whole, maybe a little break might do them well to get away from the Bayern environment and go and hang around in the, in the various national team environments and come back in, um, you know, is it ten days or so and and reattack um, the game? And I personally thought that Bayern would have been up for this because victory here would almost certainly have given them the chance to win the league title at home against Dortmund um, in two weeks' time. And I don't think you need any sort of um, more impetus to do that than than have a fixture like that where you can win the title. You can do it in what's been your, um, historically, the last few seasons, your main rivals. You can rub their noses in it while they're not doing particularly good. And, and let's not forget the gap that um, Bayern had to Dortmund at the start of the season. And, and everybody, me included, thought that it would be Dortmund's season. So for Bayern to be able to do that, I think would have been something very special for them. But um, they've rotated. Um, your Heinkes has rotated. I don't think it's worked. But then it's the first time they've lost since November. Um, it's the first time they've lost in the Bundesliga under um, your Heinkes. So, you know, things happen and I'm sure he'll rectify it. But I don't think it's season defining for them. I don't think it will. Um, I don't think it makes the game's coming up against Sevilla look any less. I, I think Bayern will have more than enough to power past them, especially at the Alliance. I think that game could be done and dusted at the end of the year. Yeah, I think you're right. I think a lot of the time when it comes to the uh, competition, whether it be in home and away legs, um, having your home one as second of all is, is of massive benefit. But I, I think even if it had been the other way around, I think Bayern have too much for Sevilla and will progress to the next round uh, we, we did mention um, that it is an international break coming up so so Manu I feel that we're going to have to uh, speak um, a little bit about uh, the German side because on Friday they're going to be taking on Spain and then on Tuesday taking on Brazil 
massive games. Um, uh, how how do you view both games? How seriously will they be taken? And were there any surprise inclusions or exclusions uh, in the squad? Yeah, I think the one that everyone is talking about is that uh, Marco Royce and Mario Götze are not on the side. Um, Mario Götze, of course, um, simply not good enough. In recent weeks, he's been he was very heavily criticised by the management in Dortmund too. I did think he had a better game today. Uh, Marco Royce, um, people expected him to be back, but I think it's actually the right decision to not bring him back now uh, for needless friendly games. Why risk it, right? I think two weeks in Dortmund training on his own. Uh, working on his body will do him better. Uh, he's been playing a lot of games for someone who came back recently from ACL injury and he, he sat out today because he had uh, some muscle problems, which is normal after a heavy injury like that. So I think the two weeks off will actually do him very good. Um, other than that, this is two tantalizing fixtures and, um, we have some, the squad in general is a very good squad that Joachim Löw put together. Another player is that you, you, people also know from the English Premier League, of course, Leroy Sané is in the squad, Emil Schaan, Ilka Gündogan, um, Antonio Rüdiger. This is, this is going to be fun. Um, I, I personally love when, when friendly, I, I, I do like national team games, period. Um, I guess I'm a bit spoiled as a German, but I especially like them when they play against big sides like Spain and Brazil. And I'm very curious about the Brazil fixture in particular because I think this, is of course a matchup that could very well happen next summer in Russia as well. Yes, indeed. And Chris, I mean, there's plenty of people who will complain about, you know, international breaks um, that they're they're they get fed up with them. They'd rather see their club teams play. But I mean, as far as fixtures go, this is two pretty decent fixtures, aren't they? I mean, two two interesting and exciting ones. Yeah, they are. In, in the both previous world champions, um, as in Spain and Brazil, and obviously they're playing the current world champions. And we all know the strength and depth that Germany have got. I'm just a little surprised on the goalkeeper selection. I maybe would have taken um, Farman from Schalke. I thought he's had a very, very good season. And then I don't think has had the best of seasons. So um, I was quite surprised to see him in there. But I'm pretty sure um, I could have a go at naming the starting eleven for... Um, the World Cup, so Joachim Löw will know exactly who his best eleven are. So he's probably just having a little bit of a look around. But I mean, you look at this squad, and there is strength in depth everywhere. Um, so the goalkeepers uh, are very good, and that's without Neuer being in there. Um, the defense, I mean, look at those defenders. You've got Plattenhart, who I think is a very, very good defender. Hector, Ginter, Boateng, Rudiger, Hummel, Sula, Kimmich. I mean, wow, if you're any other nation, you'd like to have maybe two of those defenders, not all of them. Um, and then the midfield and attack that they've picked from. Uh, I mean, Ozil's having a fantastic season over at Arsenal. Um, we mentioned Sebastian Rudy. Maybe didn't have the best game for Bayern, just gone in this match day. But don't detach that from his season on the whole. Um, Emre Chan's played well for Liverpool. Sane's played well for City, as Manu said. Um, and then we've got Goretzka, who plays exceptionally well. Mario Gomez, the old-timer, is still in there, and he's still banging the goals away for Stuttgart. So I think these could be two very, very good games that we see. The only um, concern I have is that um, some of these players don't pick up injuries. That then means they can't play parts as the season running, and I think that would be a shame. So I'm hoping to see two entertaining games and Bryce without any injuries being picked up for anyone. Yes, here's hoping. Nobody wants to see injuries, do they? Especially, um, you know, in the build-up to 
uh, the end of the season and the World Cup. But guys, that more or less does it for this week. We've managed to cover a lot of ground as always. Um, I have no doubt that both you fellas will have uh, plenty of uh, articles and whatnot coming up on Football Grid. Uh, Chris, how about you go first? What would you like to draw people's attention to? Or where can they find you on Twitter? Um, well, we'll have various things coming out, so just keep your eyes peeled and you can find me at Chris78Williams on Twitter or all my stuff will be pushed out via at Football Grad Live. Yes, indeed. And uh, that leaves us with uh, you, Manu. What, what have you got coming our way? Yeah, it's an international break, so um, I think we, we're previewing the two Germany games. Um, we're previewing two, two Russia games. They actually have two interesting fixtures as well. They're playing Brazil too. Um, and um, we're previewing the two Ukraine games, Mark Timnitsky's on that. And then um, I, I think there will be a bunch of other things coming your way next week. Um, the usual podcasts. Uh, we're previewing, of course, the L3 fixtures, right, Bryce, on Golazzo. So, yeah, um, plenty of com- plenty of stuff coming um, your way on at Football Grad Live. And then, of course, you can follow me at Manuel Weff. I, I do the, re- the, the usual stuff, Bundesliga. Um, football from the post-Soviet space, and then, uh, of course, I'm the Pro Soccer USA uh, Vancouver Whitecaps correspondent as well. Yeah, indeed. You fellas are always kept busy, aren't you, with the fixtures throughout the year. Um, thank you very much for uh, tuning in. As always, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please head over to likes of iTunes or wherever else and, and leave us some positive feedback. We greatly appreciate that. Also, get in touch online. You, either at Football Grad Live or any of our own Twitter handles, mine being at BryceDunn11. Um, well, that more or less does it for this week. We'll be back uh, rather soon um, to talk about the international games and a preview uh, Der Klassiker coming up. Uh, until then, I'll feed us in. Ich war seit Wochen Auf diesen Tag und tanz vor Freude über den Asphalt, als wär's ein Rhythmus, als gäb's ein Lied, das mich immer weiter durch die Straßen zieht. Komm dir entgegen, ich hab zu holen. Let's be real. Dealing with tangled cords can make it harder to do your hair. Break free with the new Unbound Cordless Auto Curler from Conair. Get the curls and waves you want, anytime, anywhere. It's designed to let you experience the power and freedom of beauty in motion. No cords to hold you back. You get your curls and waves your way. Unplug and be unbound. Loose curls, tight curls, beachy waves. The Unbound Cordless Auto Curler makes it easy to get the looks you love. Love your look. Live Unbound. Available at conair.com and search Unbound. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.